before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. If you head over to Bet Online Sportsbook and use our promo code Believe50, B-L-E-A-V-5-0, on your first deposit with the link in the description of this episode, you can place some wagers on NBA championship futures. Now, I'm going to give you three teams that are great value right now. Will they all win the championship? No. Can you cash out later and make a profit? Yes, you can. Denver Nuggets, plus 750, great value play. Philadelphia 76ers, plus 1,400, excellent value play. And the Cleveland Cavaliers at plus 2,500. Will they win the championship? Probably not. They can make a deep run in the playoffs. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is you may be listening, thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast, live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. Welcome, 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 everybody. It is Wednesday, February 22nd, according to my count. It may not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is that you may be listening. Today is a big, big show, not just because our friend Bob Nightingale is joining us here on the podcast, and Bob is a famous Hall of Fame voting baseball writer, and because Bob has been so gracious to join our program many times in the past, and it's always a special occasion when Bob is on the show, not just because Bob Nightingale is here today, but also because today is the debut of our book, The Spurs Dynasty, a historical account of the most successful dynasty in North American pro sports. Our book is available. It's shipping out everywhere for those of you who have pre-ordered it from Poland and France and Germany and the UK and Australia and all of you right here in the United States who have pre-ordered and purchased our book. The book is shipping out today. It's available for all of you to purchase and... If you're reading on Amazon or ebook on Kindle, you can purchase it right now and the book is available immediately. You can get our debut book today. It is available. It has been nine months of work that has gone into this day, and I'm incredibly excited to share all of that with all of you. If you want to hear chapter one of the audiobook, it's available on Friday's episode of the podcast, as well as on our podcast feed for the Fall of the Spurs Dynasty. That's in the link to the link in the description to this episode. If you click the link in the description to this episode, you can also buy the Spurs Dynasty book. Wherever you get books, it's available. We've got a nice little link so that you can find it all in one place. It's Spurs Sixth Championship on Linktree. It's in the description to this episode. You can also email me 
takeiteasypod at gmail.com. The email to that is in the description to this episode as well. You can email me. I'll get you 25% off on the book by saving you third-party costs. You can order it directly from me. It's 25% off. All of that is coming out today. And if you want to hear more about the podcast, we or more about the book, we talked about it on Friday's podcast. We waxed poetically about the work that went into it. We read the first 10 or so pages of the book as an audiobook format. More of that audiobook will be coming out on this feed and our Fall of the Spurs Dynasty podcast feed. You should subscribe on that feed as well. Uh, there's a link in the description of this episode, as I mentioned before. If you want more book talk, all of that is from Friday's episode, and you can order our book today as I do the rounds promoting the book on San Antonio Media. We're going on Locked on Spurs podcast, and uh, that should be coming out sometime later this week as well on the Take It Easy podcast feed. Today, we're going to talk to Bob Nightingale, and Bob has all of the information about all of the teams this year. What's going on with Manny Machado and the San Diego Padres? Where do things stand in the American League East with all the teams culminating at the top? Are the Houston Astros still the team to beat? The Dodgers had a super interesting offseason. What's going on there? What's going on with the Giants? The St. Louis Cardinals have two MVPs on their team. Where do they stand in this mix? Where is Chicago at? What about the Phillies and the Braves? Where do the Mets fit in? into this picture all of the baseball conversations headed into spring training with bob are coming up here today and since we have a big time baseball show there is no better way to kick that off than with our personally one of my favorite bits that we've ever done on the show which is our parody to star wars with the national league with the Holy Dodger Empire and the resistance of San Diego representing the resistance of the, um, well, the resistance in Star Wars against the Empire and Jedis and Lord Hater jokes and it's what, met army of queens like a clone army. I mean, come on, it's just great. We made so many good references in here. I love sharing it whenever I get a chance to. And today on the show, we're not just going to be talking baseball. We're going to be transported on a journey into a galaxy far, far away into our Star Wars baseball universe. And to help us talk about all of the changes in the galaxy, we have Bob Nightingale, Hall of Fame baseball voter and writer for USA Today. Episode 4 the Holy Dodger Empire continues their reign over the West. In previous years, the Holy Dodger Empire dismantled the once great Royal Cardinals, establishing a new power within the galaxy. The Holy Dodger Empire defeated the Royal Cardinals, invaded the Mill of Waukee, and vanquished the 107-win Giants. In the meantime, the Holy Dodger Empire pillaged both the Purple Rockies and the Backs of Diamond in Arizona. These invasions increased the Empire's wealth tenfold. Their resources are unmatched, their power is unquestioned. With the West and the Central firmly in control, the Holy Dodger Empire sets their sights on a new conquest, the Eastern Empire State. If the Holy Dodger Empire defeats Master Cohen and his Met army of queens, there will be nothing left to stop them from conquering the galaxy. To the south, 
A small resistance forms in San Diego. While outnumbered and outresourced, the resistance fights for their very existence against the tyranny of the Holy Dodger Empire. It's a changing time in the galaxy. The once great Imperial Nationals of Washington have fallen. Years earlier, the Imperial Nationals once defeated the Holy Dodger Empire at the Battle of Strasbourg. Now, they find themselves bankrupt and selling pieces to the highest bidder. In this collapse, the Holy Dodger Empire captured a great captain known as Mad Max, who helped strengthen the Holy Dodger Empire's hold on the galaxy. However, Mad Max has escaped and defected to Master Cohen and the Met Army of Queens. He will spend whatever years he has left fighting to dismantle the tyranny of the Holy Dodger Empire. And now, the legendary Imperial Captain Juan Soto has joined the Resistance after paying his debt to Kara the Hutt. To San Diego, Captain Juan Soto brings with him the Imperial Nationals Mighty Josh Bell. Joining Captain Soto is Lord Hader, the supreme closer of the Mill of Waukee, called to fight by the message of the Resistance and the possibility of bringing balance to the Force. The Resistance has paid a heavy price, yet they have never been closer to defeating the Holy Dodger Empire. Joining us once again here on the Take It Easy podcast, at this point, friend of the show, Bob Nightingale. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter. Uh, there's a link in the description of this episode. Uh, subscribe to his work over at USA Today. Uh, spring training is back in baseball, and so I wanted to catch up with him on everything that's going on in baseball because there's a, a handful of really interesting storylines going on. And the first place I wanted to start with you, Bob, is the regional television contracts and everything that's going on there it's been a unique story and rob manfred had some interesting quotes about it at his two introductory press conferences uh, for people who don't know what is going on with that situation and how is it affecting you know potentially a handful of team sales in the near future yeah there's 14 teams that have the uh, regional sports network you know called Bob valleys and it looks like the thing's going to go bankrupt you know the parent company now, if they do go bankrupt, you know, the MLB teams can all avoid their contracts, which would be a nightmare for the uh, for, for balance. So we'll see. But Rob Manford promised that no matter what, those games will still be shown, whether it's on an MLB network, whether it's on some streaming service or, you know, some uh, you know local carrier. Uh, those teams, you know, will get reimbursed at some point, uh, probably more slowly than, uh, than quicker. But, you know, that's kind of the way it's going. I mean, people are finding different ways and uh, people aren't using the cable services like they were. Do you think that the potential decreases in revenue, because Manfred acknowledged there could be decreases in revenue. Do you think that's affecting sales of teams like Washington or Baltimore or Anaheim who had these uh, larger asking prices? I don't think so, because I think there's other ways around it. I mean, you can get your own network like the Dodgers have, like the Cubs have. You can do that as well. So I, mean, I think the Angels still would have had over $2 billion, maybe not $3 billion. You know, Orioles haven't quite been put on sale yet. And uh, Nationals just been a, a slow, slow process. But, uh, I, yeah, I don't think it affects uh, sales yet. I really don't. That's interesting to, to hear about because – 
it, it's been a kind of in-between period and I'm interested to see where it goes if they do end up uh, defaulting on payments and going into bankruptcy on, on the other side of the of the baseball coin. Um, some of the interesting free agent moves this offseason, what are the ones that have caught your eyes and, you know, are going into this season are going to be the most impactful? Well, certainly we'll see what happens with the uh, Rangers, you know, making the moves, particularly getting uh, DeGrom. Uh, you know, we'll see if Verlander can duplicate what he did a year ago in, in Houston, you know, with the Mets replacing DeGrom. Uh, and, of course, uh, you know, the big free agent ones, uh, shortstops, particularly Trey Turner. We'll see if he's a spark plug at offense, should provide more defense than they had. So he might have been the, he might be the most impactful free agent to uh, switch teams. Do you think that uh, the Carlos Correa situation will have any impact on the Twins season or the Mets or what's going on there? Yeah, I don't think so, just because he was already with the Twins. I mean, Twins are just getting him back. So it shouldn't be, uh, you know, a huge boost. Twins need to stay healthy. They need a, uh, you know, Byron Buxton to stay healthy and everything everything else. Uh, the Mets just would have been a bonus. They do have Escobar there, who is very, you know, he's a very solid player going through some personal problems. So I think you'll be uh, better at third base, you know, than a year ago. Uh, we'll see what happens. You know, team like, you know, the Padres have Alexander Bogarts. You know, they try to get Aaron Judge. Uh, they also try to get a, uh, you know, uh, uh, I'm trying to tell, oh, trying to get Trey Turner. So they both, you know, had the highest bid for both Judge and Turner. Didn't get either. But Bogarts certainly is a nice consolation prize. I was going to ask you about the Padres because the news pressing this week is that Manny Machado is going to opt out and there haven't been a ton of details on what that contract is going to look like. Do you expect that Machado will re-sign with the Padres or is this going to be a, a true free agency come the fall or winter of next year? I think they'll lock him up. You know, if I take about you know, 10, million, 10 years around $400 million or so, I mean, the way uh, prices are. But, you know, the Padres haven't been shy as far as you know throwing money out. Uh, you know, they want him back. So I'd be surprised if he hits free agency. I really would. I think the Padres will lock him up ahead of time. Have the Padres reached a place where if they want to keep somebody or want to pay somebody, they will, you know, no one's going to potentially outbid them? They are. I mean, they're losing money, but the owner, you know, Peter Sadler's case says, you know what? I just want to roll series so bad. So I'll, uh, I'll spend it. So, yeah, I mean, spending his own money, everything else. We'll see what happens. I know we got you know twenty nine other owners scratching their head, saying, "How are you going to do this?" You know, they're probably going to you know they're probably going to lose at least fifty to one hundred million dollars uh, this year. Uh, but I think just the World Series title means so much to the ownership group there that they're you know all in. You mentioned twenty nine other teams. Are there any other teams that are following a similar kind of strategy as the Padres, where they're okay accepting losses without potential increases in revenue? Well, the Mets. I mean, the Mets have a uh, particularly with the uh, tax burden. You know, they're going to have almost five hundred million dollars in in the uh, in the payroll if you include one hundred five million dollars in taxes. So uh, they're one for sure. They'll lose more money than Padres, but those are the two that probably you know jump out the most, like uh, you know paying more money than really the money, money they have coming in. On the other side of the National League West. The Dodgers are in an interesting place because they had a lot of periphery pieces going out this offseason, replaced them with a lot of one-year contracts and younger players. What do you make of what they're doing right now? Yeah, kind of fascinating. I mean, very quiet winter. Uh, they're just going to go with the, the people they have. 
And, you know, if they need some help at the trade deadline, you know, they got enough prospects to go get it. But, yeah, I mean, they didn't do much at all in the offseason, spent very little. And uh, I, I think if they make the playoffs or, you know, even get to World Series, I think that may be the biggest accomplishment they've had since 88. You know, certainly if they get the World Series, I think it's a bigger achievement, you know, than uh, in night in 2000 when they won the uh, 2020, when they won the Alcova uh, World Series. Do you think getting to the World Series would signify success for the Dodgers this year? Or is it we have we still have World Series expectations despite losing Trey Turner or Cody Bellinger? Well, they have a, yeah, they have the expectations to win all, but getting to the uh, World Series, I think it'd be you know phenomenal achievement. Really, I, I think it'd be their best achievement since they won the World Series in '88. Uh, you know, just because no one's counting them, people are giving the division to the Padres, and the fact they just you know they spent so little compared to the past this winter. Where do you view the Zam- the San Francisco Giants at this point? Now that the Correa situation has played out. They got a consolation in Michael Conforto. Where are they right now as an organization? Yeah, they're still trying to win with the uh, younger players. A little bit, you know, like a cheaper version of the uh, Dodgers. They don't have the star powers of Dodgers. You know, attendance was the lowest they've had, you know, since they opened that ballpark. Uh, so, you know, we'll see what happens. I don't expect them to uh, not contend for division title. You know, with the extra wild card spots, you know, they could stay in the race for that. But certainly, I don't expect them to be, you know, winning 95 to 100 games. I think if they win 85 to 90, that's a great year for them. How many teams are 100 win teams this year in the MLB? Like, you know, eyeballing it. I'm not sure we have one. You know, the, uh, you know, I mean, obviously what Houston did last year, you, you got to look at, look at them. You know, we saw what Atlanta and the Mets did. Uh, it was such a hard a, a achievement. I saw, you know, the Ozmakers odds, they got nobody winning 100 games. So we'll see. You know, it's, it's different now with everybody playing each other, but it should help out teams, uh, particularly in the, uh, you know, what, you know, the two East and the two West, because now you get to play the two Centrals, and the Central Division, AL and NL, isn't nearly as strong as the two, uh, the East and West. That's been the case for like four or five years now, that the AL and NL Central just can't put any top team together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ever since the, uh, you know, ever since the Cubs and, uh, you know, 16 or even 17, they were good. But yeah, I mean, that year when they all three teams won 98, 99, 100 with Pittsburgh, St. Louis and the Cubs, uh, you know, it hasn't been, hasn't been the same since then. Even as St. Louis does their very best. I mean, St. Louis keeps bringing in big names. They're giving up big packages of prospects. And obviously they they made the playoffs a couple times. It's just when they get to a certain round of the playoffs, it feels like there's just a ceiling on them despite having, you know, a, about four or five Hall of Famers. Granted, a couple of them just retired, but Arenado and Goldschmidt were both top three in the MVP last year. Yeah, just they didn't have that pitching. And uh, we'll see if they have it this year. You know, they have four. They're starting rotation for them are free agents after this year. So they got they got to do something here. Uh, yeah, but they're kind of the gold standard as far as winning, consistent, uh, consistently winning on a very uh, average payroll. You know, their, average, their payroll is only about 150, 160. So teams spend a lot more than they do. But they do things right. They develop their own players. And uh, they've been a machine here. Houston moved off of their general manager after winning the World Series. Uh, they signed Jose Abreu this offseason. They kind of made some periphery moves, uh, but 
they have obviously a new general manager and the the owner is reportedly more involved in decision making with the team. Where does Houston stand as defending champs and, you know, the, the most dominant team in baseball for the past five seasons? Where do they look right now? Well, they should be the team to beat again. I mean, they got brought in Jose Abreu to play first base instead of Yuli Gurriel. They did lose Berlander, but, you know, they got so much young pitching. They could withstand to lose Berlander. So, uh, no, and then, you know, got the new GM, Dana Brown, who's been, you know, an expert in, in scouting. Um, yeah, we'll see what happens. But there's no reason in the world why you know, the Astros won't be back and playing deep in October again. Do you expect the Mariners to be a wild card team going into this year? Granted, it's a pretty similar roster to what they had last year that was, you know, up 9 1 on Toronto. <laughs> yeah, I would think to be uh, very, very uh, similar again. Uh, where it's a very good team, maybe a little bit better than a year ago. Now they'll have uh, Luis Castillo the entire season instead of just at the trade deadline. So I think they'll give the uh, Astros a run. I think, you know, they almost beat them the first round there, the way they were uh, with, with leads in the first uh, couple of games. So I don't see them win the division. Uh, I'm not saying they can't, but I, I do think they'll be in the playoffs. If they don't, I, I think it'd be a uh, a disaster for the Mariners. That's not really a, a indictment of the Mariners. It's more <laughs> that the Astros are just still so overwhelming and it's hard to compete in that division. Yeah, and the Mariners are still a, a, a young team. So it's going to get better and better. So, you know, not indictment at all. But, you know, yeah, you, as long as you get in the playoffs, you got a chance to go deep. And I think that team does, particularly with that, you know, a very good uh, starting rotation. How do you look at the American League East this year? Because last year it was just a jumbled mess. A lot of teams were fighting in that 80-win territory. They put three teams in the playoff. What is the What is the AL East looking like? It should look similar, you know, to a year ago. We're still going to be the, uh, you know, the Yankees, uh, Rays, and Blue Jays. Uh, you know, maybe the Blue Jays will take another step forward and really push the Yankees. Uh, you know, the Rays are always there. You know, you don't know, you know, you never expect them to go to the World Series, but you certainly expect them to be in the playoffs. I think, you know, Boston, we'll see. They need Chris Hill to be, you know, a Cy Young winner sort of thing. So I'm not sure if they can contend. But yeah, I think it'll be the same uh, big three once again, at least. And Boston is still about two starting pitchers and a couple bats away from really being a top contender, but they'll be fighting for the wild card again, just like last year. Yeah, and I think the same with Baltimore. The thing about Baltimore, we'll see. I mean, they made it such a dramatic stride. Let's see if they can improve in that stride or just take kind of taking a step back, like, okay, they play over their heads. Normalcy is going to prevail. So, you know, big question just on how good the Orioles will be this year. Is the schedule where everyone plays everyone now going to potentially lead to a division where every team can finish above 500 or every team can get close to that 90-win territory if if possible somehow? No, absolutely, because you're not beating each other up as much. So, yeah, it's certainly possible. You know, like you said, it was just a few years ago, the NL Central had three of the, uh, you know, teams, uh, 98, 99-100 wins. So... Uh, the fact you play everybody, you know, instead of being everybody in, the, in your division 19 times, you're playing 13 times. So it's really, you know, it's really possible someone could have, uh, you know, all five teams uh, having winning records. Going into this season, the sorry, uh, the the Atlanta Braves are in an interesting place because 
they last year were for most of the season. Well, I guess towards the back end of the season, the best team in the National League and at least the National League East. And then, you know, they get to the playoffs and they fell apart against Philadelphia. What do you make of them going into this season with a pretty similar team to last year? I mean, they've made a couple of additions here and there, but nothing too major. No, we'll see. I mean, let Nancy Swanson go. We'll see if that haunts him. You know, they're going to play Von Grissom, that shortstop. We'll see if he can handle it. That's a big question. They still have a very deep uh, deep rotation, deep bullpen. Uh, you know, I still think it's going to come down to Philadelphia and Atlanta for the uh, division title. Uh, I don't discount the Mets, but I think they're getting a little bit overhyped. Right? I think those two teams might, might both be better than the, uh, you know, than the uh, Mets this year. What makes them better than the Mets in your eyes? Just to know how to win. What the win five straight division titles. Uh, that's that lineup is so solid. You figure Acuna is going to have a better year. You know now that he has a full season on his belt. Uh, nice young starting rotation. So I think there's less chance of injuries too. Where you know when you look at the Mets, it's an older team. Uh, you'll get you know two old starters and uh, Berland and Scherzer, even though they're you know, Hall of Fame caliber. If one of them goes down, I, I think they got some problems. Yeah, that does seem to be a bit of a, a bet that you're making with two guys whose combined age is 80 years old. <laughs> is if one of them ends up getting hurt, they don't necessarily have the depth to make up for that, especially because Carlos Carrasco isn't a you know starting pitcher or someone you can use for deep innings anymore. I that is an interesting point I hadn't considered and I'm kind of rethinking my my Mets perspective at that point. The last team that I'm interested in is the Chicago Cubs because it they spent in interesting places this offseason and they still feel many many years away from being top of the league competitive. But in the National League Central all you need is kind of a couple of players to get into competitive against the Brewers and Cardinals. What do you make of what the, the Cubs are doing right now of like kind of one foot in one foot out? Well, it's only walk to walk. I mean, they, uh, you know, talked about how much money they're going to spend. They spent a lot of money, they spent about 360, $370 million. So uh, they went out and improved the club. We'll see if it's enough to overcome the Cardinals on paper, you know, not quite, but I think they did uh, close the gap there. Of course, they lost Contreras and, you know, really bothered to uh, keep them. So, no, I think they'll be interesting, and I think they're on the rise. I'm not sure if they're going to uh, make the playoffs this year, but I would think they'd be a, a real contender at, you know, at 2024, you know, at, at the uh, at the latest, really. That is Bob Nightingale. You can check him out at USA Today. There's so many interesting things going on in baseball right now. We didn't even get to the rule changes and bigger bases and all of that stuff that's consuming baseball talk right now. But I'm interested in the teams and some of the changes we've seen. And as someone from San Diego, there's a lot to be excited about there. So, uh, Bob, as always, much appreciated. Thank you for your time and uh, hope to catch up with you again sometime soon. All right. Look forward to it. It should be a fun season. Take care. Episode four. The Holy Dodger Empire continues their reign over the West. In previous years, the Holy Dodger Empire dismantled the once great Royal Cardinals, establishing a new power within the galaxy. The Holy Dodger Empire defeated the Royal Cardinals, invaded the Mill of Waukee, and vanquished the 107-win Giants.
In the meantime, the Holy Dodger Empire pillaged both the Purple Rockies and the Backs of Diamond in Arizona. These invasions increased the Empire's wealth tenfold. Their resources are unmatched, their power is unquestioned. With the West and the Central firmly in control, the Holy Dodger Empire sets their sights on a new conquest, the Eastern Empire State. If the Holy Dodger Empire defeats Master Cohen and his Met army of queens, there will be nothing left to stop them from conquering the galaxy. To the south, a small resistance forms in San Diego. While outnumbered and outresourced, the resistance fights for their very existence against the tyranny of the Holy Dodger Empire. It's a changing time in the galaxy. The once great Imperial Nationals of Washington have fallen. Years earlier, the Imperial Nationals once defeated the Holy Dodger Empire at the Battle of Strasbourg. Now, they find themselves bankrupt and selling pieces to the highest bidder. In this collapse, the Holy Dodger Empire captured a great captain known as Mad Max, who helped strengthen the Holy Dodger Empire's hold on the galaxy. However, Mad Max has escaped and defected to Master Cohen and the Met Army of Queens. He will spend whatever years he has left fighting to dismantle the tyranny of the Holy Dodger Empire. And now, the legendary Imperial Captain Juan Soto has joined the Resistance after paying his debt to Kara the Hutt. To San Diego, Captain Juan Soto brings with him the Imperial Nationals' mighty Josh Bell. Joining Captain Soto is Lord Hader, the supreme closer of the Mill of Waukee, called to fight by the message of the Resistance and the possibility of bringing balance to the Force. The Resistance has paid a heavy price, yet they have never been closer to defeating the Holy Dodger Empire.